You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. It's time for straight talk about diversity, frank questions, honest answers, and real insights. It's Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, with your hosts, Sadika Bakta of Nikea Diversity Consulting and Anthony Arrington of Top Rank Professional and Executive Search Firm. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, is a Corridor Business Journal podcast. On this episode of the Corridor Business Journal's Diversity Straight Up, you're going to hear from us on some best practices, some pitfalls to avoid, as well as some trends to be looking out for in 2022. We're going to have some lively discussion. We're going to bring some of our lived experiences in and hopefully we can give you some, some real examples. So we're going to have some fun. We'll be right back. Green State Credit Union is proud to sponsor Diversity Straight Up. Established in 1938, Green State is Iowa's largest financial cooperative serving nearly 250,000 members of all walks of life. Green State's products include checking accounts, loans, investments, insurance, commercial services, mortgages, and credit cards. Profits are returned to members in the form of better rates on deposits and loans. We encourage you to learn more at greenstate.org. Green State is federally insured by the NCUA and is an equal housing opportunity lender. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, is also sponsored by Alliant Energy. Welcome. Welcome to Corridor Business Journal's Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union. I'm your co-host, Anthony Arrington. And I'm Sadika Bakta. I'm really excited about this episode as we're here with our new producer, Logan, with LAS Group. And um, it's great because I know that he's got some uh, questions that he wants to ask as they continue to explore equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement journey. I do. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me as part of the team. Uh, I do have just a couple of questions and thoughts uh, for you, and I guess my first is, what are some best practices to keep in mind right at the top? Uh, is what should people be keeping in mind as they work with clients and, and analyze their organizations? What are some best practices that we can look at? One of the best practices is creating a true executive alignment. This is when leaders are modeling the way, modeling the behavior, and because of their power, and their platform and the position that they hold, they can wield such influence to move the needle when it comes to equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement. And I've also found that in order to really get to that true executive alignment, that these leaders need to connect with the word diversity. If they don't connect and resonate with themselves being diverse, it's gonna be challenging for them to feel inspired to be part of those solutions. And I know that the question that I get all the time, I, the question I get asked all the time is, when does true executive alignment happen? When do you see it being successful? And my answer to that question is, you will know when true executive alignment around EDI&E happens, even when there's leadership transitions occur, say CEO walks out the door or exits the company, that the remainder of your key yes. leadership stakeholder groups are still in it with the equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement journey, and they put investment and make it at a priority. Yes. Then you know you have the true executive alignment yeah. at the top. Yeah, when your leaders are aligned, uh, no matter where the the where, no matter where things shift, 
it's going to be in the fabric of the organization because it's being driven. Absolutely. So good point, good point. Bet it is good part point. of your cultural DNA. Yeah, what about point. you, Anthony? What yeah. is one of your best practices that you've um, seen? Good question, Logan. And I think as I was thinking about several, but one of them was really cultural assessments. And Serica, you, you know, I, I tend to talk about this from a, a health standpoint, like a checkup, right? Um, we've seen throughout multiple experiences where organizations are investing money, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, but they're not sure where they're investing money or how they're investing their money. And a cultural assessment really gives you the voice of your people. Um, I've seen assessments where organizations thought they knew something about how their people felt when it came to EDI&E, when it came to equity, diversity, and inclusion and engagement. And when they get their assessment back, they find out there are things about their company that they had no idea. And it's surprising sometimes. And sometimes that information can be, um, to some people, upsetting. And so what I've always found is that organizations that are using cultural assessments to understand the pulse of their people then can begin to take actions on where to invest their resources. So listening to your people is so important. And a lot of times, with good intention, uh, leaders may decide because another organization is doing something that we need to do this. Because I heard about this training, we need to do that. And they mm -hmm. haven't really talked to their people to find out how their people feel. And so I think a cultural assessment is a valuable tool and one that we've seen be very successful uh, with organizations who use it the right way. I agree. I think creating and establishing a baseline assessment of yeah. where you are at, you'll be surprised companies are that they actually further along than they thought on their journey. And so I've always said, when you look at those results, look at what you're doing well, continue scale and build up on it. Yep. And then look at opportunities. Where are the disparities between groups? Right. Many times when they do the assessments, they focus on, oh, we're doing X, Y, and Z, not so well. It's like, you can focus on that, but start off strength-based. Yep, celebrate what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. You have to celebrate those small wins, yeah. and that is one. Just yeah. doing that assessment in of itself is a win. Yeah. You know, another best practice as I think about this is coopetition within the same industry. Mm. This is when competitors within the same industry come together in a cooperative manner to collectively move the needle for the industry. I think that when at times when I speak with clients, it's like a broken record where they say, well, our industry has always been very homogenous or that our reputation as the industry perceived or true when it comes to the reputation is not as welcoming or inclusive to right. certain members. Mm -hmm. So I always tell my clients that if the industry is this way, that doesn't mean that you as a company within the industry needs to continue to play the same old broken record. Right. Be the value differentiator, be a leader in the industry, and drive your equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement journey. Be That's how you set yourself from the market. Yet now, remember what I talked about? Coopetition. Yes, a company can be the value differentiator. Now imagine if your top leaders in the company or the, I should say, now imagine if the top leaders within the industry come together, competitors collectively transforming the industry when it comes to EDI&E. And, &E. and yeah. I think this is probably going to be one of the best practices. Uh, I'll give you an example because it just happened recently that uh, the six leading construction CEOs came together and they are united and taking a stand and committing 
to taking a lead on equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement. And they are wanting to be very intentional about creating an inclusive and welcoming culture for the industry. Literally, what just happened last month is that more than 1,100 firms came together for this inaugural Construction Inclusion Week. where they focused on issues where it's about whether it's looking at disparities in pay with women, Mm -hmm. addressing how do you create more of a diverse workforce. Mm -hmm. They also talked about all of this racial, ethnic acts of hate that they've seen on the job sites, as well as looking at the sexism in the industry. Talk about mind-blowing. That means that if you have an employee that uh, doesn't abide by what they're trying to do as an industry, it's going to be hard for them to find another company because you know how it is if the top six construction companies are trying to make this a philosophy that we're not going to tolerate this type of behavior and that we're looking at more inclusive and welcoming cultures. As a subcontractor, as a tier one, tier two, it's going to impact it. At the end of the day... They're going to have to look at another industry then, yeah. right? Yeah. So talk about a game changer yes. for me, the co-opetition within it, the industry. And here's the funny thing. You and I, we've talked about this. We So you think about the CEO pledge, the national CEO pledge, mm-hmm. where everybody signed their name that says, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. Sadika, if we're being brutally honest, we know there's a lot of performative signatures. Yes. This is an example of where these six CEOs, and it kind of speaks to another tip I have, actually. This is an example where you've got the six CEOs who I think have probably looked in the mirror. Because my other example is that self-reflection, right? Mm-hmm. This is where CEOs or leaders have to look in the mirror at themselves. So, so tip, self-reflection. <laughs> Looking in the mirror at themselves and, and really saying, am I willing to be a leader myself in my behavior? Am I going to model the behavior as we go down this path? Knowing that I'm going to take some arrows left or right. There are going to be people in my organization who don't agree with the desire to be a more diverse, equity, inclusive, and engaging organization. The types of training or development that we come together to talk about, there are going to be people, maybe customers, who are, are not down with this or not comfortable with this. And those six CEOs have said, we have got to do this power in numbers, right? Power in numbers. And they're saying, we are going to stand up together. So I, I, I'm loving that. I'm going to love to see where that's going to go. And my hope is that those six CEOs are continuing to look in the mirror and self-reflect every day because it's their actions and it's their behavior that's going to help drive that. So that's very cool. I agree. The journey starts with the individual leader and the fact that the leaders within the industry are coming together. Yeah. That's a game changer. Yep. Yep. So lots of best practices. I hope we answered your question, Logan. That's some great insight. I really, I love hearing it. Also, I had a thought, by the way, I need to throw in here. Coopetition, you need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> that's, a, that's a classic phrase. I love it. I know a great t-shirt company in town. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Uh, well, hey, another one that I had was um, maybe on the opposite side, some pitfalls or challenges that you're seeing right now. Uh, what are some things that maybe people should be aware of? Yeah. You know, um, I think probably one of the bigger pitfalls, one of the the common pitfalls that happens in this space is um, when you hit those those pitfalls, when you hit those lows in your organization along your journey. Uh, what do I mean by that? I've seen, I've had clients um, where their leadership has been all on board with their diversity, equity, inclusion, and engagement journey. Um, somewhere along the line, um, they hit a roadblock. Maybe there's a client or an organization or a customer who has learned about their initiatives or learned about something the CEOs does or learns about the 
the partners they're working with and have made a decision that they're not comfortable with that. And they've decided to put a wrinkle in the process. And it's easy for leaders in those positions to step away and say, you know what, we, we, we're pushing too hard on this. We're, we're causing too much controversy in the organization or we have too many challenges with this. We, we need to pull back. And I'm always a believer that it's okay to, to pivot. Um, it's really okay to, if you, if you feel that you've caused challenges within your organization, because at the end of the day, you want your bus to move forward. Um, but pivoting is, is not at the expense of being honest about your position and being honest about your, being authentic about your position and be authentic about your journey, right? Um, I've seen organizations that have decided we're going to pivot and just not do this anymore. And that makes it much more harder to try to pick up the pace where you left off before. So if I might wrap that in a bow, I think the important thing is the pivot's been when the rubber hits the road and we see organizations who have run into challenges on their journey um, that have caused perhaps controversies, uh, perceived controversies, and the questions from leaders are, are you going to pivot or are you going to, to leave, to leave the journey? And, uh, and I would always argue to try to pivot, but always stay true to your journey. I feel that because it's a journey, and because it's humans that are going on this journey and collectively as teams make up the organizations that are going on this journey, right. the mistakes are going to be made. Yep. Own up for it. Be transparent. Take accountability. Yeah, it is okay to pause, assess, and course correct, and then move forward. Yeah. And that's pivoting or whatever it may be. But it's okay to do that versus yeah. just plowing full speed ahead and not knowing why you're doing it. Yeah. So that's a definitely a pitfall that we've seen and I've seen in my clients as well. That yeah. I'm sure you've seen in yours as well, Anthony. Yeah. I think the other pitfall that I see, and Logan, thanks for asking about some of the pitfalls, is assuming that by embarking on a EDI&E journey, or even contemplating exploring this as a business initiative, that it automatically feels as if something is wrong or that is signaling something is broken within the organization. Going into that with that kind of a perspective is what is wrong. We can always strive to be better leaders and right. do better as organizations. And I say this because when you approach EDI&E in a very proactive manner, that means that you can take charge of shaping the narrative as to the why you are embarking right. on this business uh, imperative. And there's plenty of data out there, frankly. But there, whether it's a business case and or the human case, there's plenty of data out there. Right. It's really establishing the why for your company or organization right. to go on it. And the question really becomes one of, by not embarking on an EDI&E journey, what does that mean for your company and organization? Yep. Because if your competitors are going on this journey, they're agile enough to be able to look at industry yeah. disruptors that are coming down the pipeline, and they're yep. going to be set up in a more competitive yeah. business advantage. At the end of the day, it's a business imperative because of the data is showing yeah. it. So I think this is probably one of the pitfalls is assuming that by going on this journey, something is wrong, something is broken, yep. or that leaders did something wrong. Yep, and that mindset begins to then set the tone <laughs> Percolates for, for sure. You have a short yes. fuse, right? Oh, you yes. have a short fuse Absolutely. when things are not going not going well. So when you hit those rubbers, because of that mindset that we we can't be perceived as wrong. Yeah. No, it, you're, you're getting better. Like, um, if I might use a sports analogy, Hall of Famers go to the... Or Hall of Famers in baseball hit 300. That means seven, like, out, of, that mean? seven <laughs> out of ten balls that they, a Hall of Famer 
can't hit seven out of every 10 balls thrown to them, but they're the greatest. That means they make mistakes every day on the field. This is what we do in our business, always striving for perfection, always striving, never, always on that journey and understanding. So good point. Thanks um, for the baseball analogy. I learned something new today. <laughs> Alliant Energy is a place where I can create the future, where my skills, creativity, and new ideas make a better tomorrow. I help deliver the energy powering moments that matter to you. It's where we care about the environment and our neighbors, a place where my talents and skills grow. My job isn't a job, it's my passion, my place, my purpose, because I am energy. See how you can put your energy to work at AlliantEnergy.com slash careers. Um, I think another pitfall is what I might call misguided or misuse of your investment. And we talked a little bit about earlier um, with these cultural assessments. We have organizations who just want to do bias training today. Let's just go spend money on bias training. Let's just invest money here. Let's, oh, I, I like that. Uh, we need to do this, uh, this training on race relations. Um, and they tend to invest, invest, invest. And, and the intent is there, right? The intent to get better as an organization. But have they really looked to determine, is that the best way to invest your money? Are you just dialing up training, what I like to call, or are you really thinking about what your company needs and what, who you are partnering with to help you drive that, internally or externally? Um, because the, the one thing you don't want to do is invest money in processes or operations or, or initiatives around EDI and E and, and then put it on the shelf and say, we finished that, we're done. And there's no connectivity. There's no really strategic focus. We're just kind of throwing money away. And I think of it like this. I can go to the, to a, a, a CVS or somewhere and I can get vitamins. They're not going to hurt me. I can take a vitamin every day. I get two or three different types of vitamins. But is that really what my body needs? Is that really what to become a healthy person? Is that really what I need? And when I think about companies who invest their resources? Are they thinking about what they need and is it really important to them? Is it really the appropriate investment today versus tomorrow? Um, so there are companies that don't have the funds and I think about larger companies who have, have the resources. Are you investing the right way? And there are other companies who don't have those resources and so it's really important for them to think about how they're investing. And so as I think about that misguided, mis, mis use of how you invest your funds with, with great intention, um, but, but could have a negative impact long-term. Or the impact may not be felt if right. they would have done it in a very strategic way, right. if they would have conducted a DNI cultural assessment, right. then they can really streamline driving their investments where they're going to make a difference. Yes. They're going to see the impact. They're going to see the skills that they learn from the training being applied yes. so that it's not just activity-based, but it is outcome-based. Yes. And that at the end of the day is where you can really look at getting continued support, continued yes. resources yes. to drive your EDI and E journey. Because at the end of the day, if you can't show the ROI, yeah. What do you do? Shareholders, right? stakeholders, yeah. board members, all of them are going to be asking for the ROI yeah. at the end of the yeah. day. One of the things that if you, we've heard often in our, in our spaces or your spaces, you know, well, we did a training last year, but, well, we did a training last year, but do, we hear that often. And the question is, you did a training last year, but what did you do with it? And that's because I think oftentimes the intent was there, but it wasn't part of a strategy. It was just, we did that. And that's what happens when you say we did that. It ends up sitting on a shelf sometimes. So. Yeah. 
Well, one other pitfall, a big pitfall that I see, and that is where you hire someone to help lead your EDI&E initiative. So either you're hiring a chief diversity officer, head of diversity, director, you name it, and you hold them accountable for it all. Yeah. You can do that. What you are going to see is a revolving door that they will exit out because the average retention of a person in a diversity leadership role on average is about three years. And I think that's on the high end as well. Mm-hmm. So LinkedIn has collected a lot of data and they have so they have demonstrated that in the last. So LinkedIn has done a lot of data collection and they have demonstrated that in the last five years, there's been an increase of 71 percent of DNI positions globally. Think about that. Last five years, increased 71% for these positions. Mm-hmm. That means it's not gonna go away. Yeah. The key is how do you retain these important leadership roles yeah. in these positions so they don't experience burnout? And right. research has shown that leaders get burned out because they can't be authentic. So if your DNI leaders are not able to authentically do this work and authentically collaborate with their colleagues, they're gonna get burned out and they're gonna be walking out yeah, the door. Right. And so part of the solution is looking at retention strategies where they can be authentic. And at the end of the day, where the work, the accountability and the responsibility is everybody's yes. responsibility. Right. And it's not just the DEI leader or the DEI yeah. team that is doing it. And uh, so that yeah. is a big, big pitfall. I'm sure you agree. Part of that too is, is, is are they investing in that, the resources for that individual, right? We've seen that they, we've paid this person a hundred thousand dollars or whatever that number is. Right. And, and that's our investment. And that person has no team, no resources and, and expected to solve all the answers. With, and that, be, that could be, a, we've seen turnover because you, you feel like you're in a corner by yourself and you don't have the tools to really do your job. And so this is where I say that you can be in a company where you, there's only one in your DEI office. That yeah. may just be that, D, that DEI mm-hmm. leader. Yeah. It's okay. But the team really comes into play when you have your executive mm-hmm. all as part of your team, yep. all your supervisors, managers that are part of your team. Right. Because what you're doing is you're making this a responsibility of everyone's to shoulder. Absolutely. That's how you build your team, even if they may not be part of your DEI team right. or office per yep. se. So there yep. is a way to go about creating those right. multifunctional teams. Yep. Um, but yeah. thank you. I like to look at the pitfalls because if you can, you know, Look at them ahead of time. Yeah. You can definitely try to not get in one yourself, definitely, right? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, one last one that I really wanted to touch on was maybe some trends. What's mm-hmm. happening right now that people should be aware of, especially as we look forward? Sure, sure. Want to take that one? A trend. I got lots of ideas. Uh, yeah, so a trend <laughs> that I am seeing is senior leaders or executive teams together who are taking diversity credentials to authentically drive this journey. Mm-hmm. It's no longer our diversity credentials just for a DEI practitioner. Yeah. And you think about it, that if you are leading companies or teams in today's global economy, DEI competencies are critical for this work for, so that you can competently inspire and empower diverse teams around you. So that is a trend that I am seeing yeah. is senior leaders yeah. and executive teams yeah, we are getting 
diversity credentials. Again, that's a value differentiator. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm, I'm surprised that I don't see MBA programs have DEI competencies. Yeah. I'm seeing leadership programs out there more and more realizing yeah. that they need to incorporate this yeah. in. So again, DEI certification credentials yeah. is a trend. And it's going to be one of those best practices yeah. at the end of the day to those, again collectively move the needle yeah. in an aggressive manner. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, one of the other, I guess, one of the other trends I'm seeing is as I think about how companies think about equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement. Um, and as a practitioner, we're always talking about continually learning in this space. I have really seen a shift in the way companies look at gender identity mm. in this space. And this is coming from somebody who practices we're in this space and I'm a, a learner and the things that I've learned and listened to watching organizations who are really, really stepping into this space authentically has been pretty cool. I'm seeing organizations who are looking at their benefits packages for transgender individuals who are going through transformations, going through transitions. Um, we're looking at handbooks and how we utilize pronouns. Um, we're looking at how we recruit what training and education we're bringing into our organization and we're being authentic about it. We're asking those people in our organizations who we know have self-identified, how can we be better? Um, so I'm reading articles and seeing and hearing from our clients and seeing that and that's been pretty pretty neat because in, in this space, you know, um, particularly in today's, today's environment where it's really a lot of race-driven conversations around diversity and maybe rightfully so. But to see us expand and see companies be thinking broadly about what that word, about what diversity means and what equity means, and really looking at gender identity and part of a community that has been marginalized, I think has been pretty cool to see it at top levels. So and I hope think, that, that yeah, and I think you hit it on the nail is that that's actually what's one of the pitfalls is being very narrow in your definition of diversity because then it drives your programs in a very singular lens yep. and those that are doing it well is going to have a very broad uh, definition so that um, individuals from different groups can feel included on this journey right. and that is the reason why that i think that as a best practice is being very broad when it comes to diversity and ensure that you're not leaving out um, individual groups etc and even country by country mm -hmm. i know i know that the u.s you know focus has been on race relations and gender but then in a global economy, there are so many other aspects yeah. that need to be addressed. Yeah. So I think yeah. that that's definitely something that I'm glad you brought yeah. up and, and talked about because it yeah. makes a difference. Um, I think for me, when I see another trend is when it comes to technology, we know it's here to stay. We've said one of the key drivers of diversity is technology. When you look at artificial intelligence. Yeah having greater equity, diversity, and inclusion with the people and the teams that are responsible to drive AI is gonna be so crucial because AI is part of you know designing the processes or the products or services. And if it's not enough diversity or if it's, there's not a lot of inclusion and equity with your teams, the bias can creep in because again, we're humans. Right. Again, we know that it could be unconscious bias that unintentionally creeps into that process. Right. But a way to avoid it is ensuring that you have a diverse, equitable, and inclusive teams so that as you do design and create the products and services, that the outcomes are going to reflect that and then you're going to be able to serve your diverse market. So that, again, a way to avoid that bias. Right. And I've always been so fascinated 
because technology is not a strong suit for me. Yeah. But then your products and services and solutions are only going to be as strong as, you know, the diverse teams that you have yeah. to avoid and minimize those biases. It's interesting if you think about that. That's interesting because if you think about that, if you think about AI, you're, you're, it's a tool that's it's artificial knowledge, right? But somebody's pushing exactly. information. Somebody's teaching that tool. Exactly. So the individuals that are teaching that tool are driving <laughs> their thought processes in that tool and driving how they design their algorithms. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, gosh, you could think about that in a number of ways. Healthcare, you could think about that in, in how, health, how healthcare decisions are made. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. every industry, they're looking at how to utilize yeah. technology. Yeah. And that's a great thing to look at yeah. leveraging technology at the same time who's designing, who's yeah. being part of it, ensure your team is diverse yeah. and there's equity in the process yeah. and it's inclusive yeah. so that you do get the best outcome yeah. and products and services. Yeah. What do you think about uh, multicultural environments in, in today's as a trend? I, I'm really seeing that where you have a multi-generational workforce. And I took a note because I, I brought this up earlier, I was thinking about it, um, but we are right now in an environment where most organizations, you have the silent generation, you know, 1928 to 1924, you have baby boomers, you have Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z. For one of the first times in our history, they are all in the workforce. Uh, we have our, our elder generations are working longer, um, they're healthier, they're not retiring, or they're coming mm -hmm. back to work in the gig economy. Um, and so I'm really seeing organizations looking at how do we create a workforce environment that takes advantage of the lived experiences and the, 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 the knowledge of people who've been around for years versus the new kid on the block who's coming in with a different perspective on life and, and how to live and what, what, what work means to them, right? Um, so seeing companies really look at that and knowing that we're in that phase of, of, of our global society where we've got all of these generations actively working is so important um, in terms of how you manage and how you lead. I think that that is going to be here to stay. Somebody <laughs> told me, I thought this morning, that if you're under the age of 20, most likely you'll live to be 100 at least. Uh -huh. That just blew my mind. <laughs> In my young days, I thought I was going to live to be 65. <laughs> I had no concept yeah. of age. Yet you're thinking about the medical advancements. You're also thinking about uh, people living longer, retirement, people are pushing back, or yeah. if they retire, they're looking at a second chapter of their professional journey, something different, mm -hmm. that companies are going to take advantage of how to be creative right. with maintaining that knowledge yeah. that perhaps you know could exit out the door yeah. and the transfer knowledge. Yeah, yeah I, have a, I have a client I was working with that they, we, they literally said, We've got two elder people in our company who we know are going to be retiring soon, but we, we don't want to lose that knowledge, so we'd like to hire uh, a different demographic so that they can help train and teach and mentor. Um, and that's deliberate. It was an intentional move they're making, which I thought was cool. So we're thinking about how do, we, how do we make this work with all these generations in our organization? Well, let's take this knowledge here and let's find ways to pass it on in, in the right way. Yeah, the generational, you know, the cross-generational mentoring yeah. is a great initiative. The other thing is that those individuals, um, that you can hire them back as consultants mm -hmm. if they're looking at a flexibility right. perspective as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, there's uh, definitely a lot of trends out there, <laughs> yeah. but hopefully that answered your question, Logan. It did. I, I love the insight. I feel like I have a lot of things to keep in mind and, and apply going forward on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. It's great. What's on our listeners' minds? Well, let's go into another segment, uh, which we call 
what's on our listener's mind. So listeners, please submit your questions, comments, and suggestions to info at diversitystraightup.com. Usually we have a guest executive that'll answer the question because this is a special episode of wrapping up our season two. You're hearing about our best practices, pitfalls, and our trends. So with that same spirit, because we have Logan here as our special guest here, you're going to be asking a listener question because I know that you had some other questions that you were percolating that we thought that maybe this would be a good time to ask you. What's on your mind, uh, Logan? I do have a question, and and there is something that's on my mind. So I am uh, leading a small startup. We just started this year. But of course... Congratulations. Hey, thank you. Uh, but of course, as you as you at any point in your business organization's life, you want to be considering um, equity and diversity and inclusion and engagement. So I think my question for you is, especially when you're small, especially when you're starting out, when you're recruiting friends and family to help out, when you're you're reaching out to your close network to get things done, how do you still prioritize equity and diversity? I think that can feel like a challenge sometimes. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, that's great a question. great, great question, great question, especially as a fellow entrepreneur. Sometimes I know that when you're embarking on a business endeavor, you feel like there's so much moving targets and goals that you need to achieve that yeah. how does EDI&E fit into it? Well, I say that even if you're a small shop of one person, you can drive your EDI&E you can. initiatives you because can. at the end of the day, even a small shop has to have vendors. They have to look at business partners. And so that's what I do is I look at who am I going to for my website design? Who am I going to to get my business cards? So any of my expenditures, I have been very intentional in terms of who I go to. Even with my strategic uh, partnerships from a business partnership perspective that I collaborate with um, on bigger projects, I'm intentional. And I do seek yeah. out women-owned, minority-owned, any of the uh, partners that can help me from a supplier diversity program perspective. So when I hear companies and organizations say, we can't do with it, I said, well, let me share what I'm doing. It gives them a different perspective and on yeah. it. And that's usually your l- low-hanging fruit, yep. your supplier yeah. diversity program. It doesn't have that's to be a- formal, Logan. Like, I don't have it written down or anything, but I know that what I can do right. and an impact I'm able to yeah. deliver on the outcome. It's part of that celebration. Think about this. It's part of the celebration. We, we're conditioned to think, again, that when we talk about diversity, and I, I understand where you're coming from, right? You're like, and maybe this isn't, so maybe I'm not. But we think, you know, I have to hire women or I have to hire a black person. or I, I need traditional diversity on my staff. And they're not really thinking broadly what diversity means. And diversity means you're contributing to the equitable an inclusive environment. What does that mean inside and outside of your organization? So as Seneca said, who are you buying your printing paper from? Have you thought about when you design your, your website? Are you thinking of a person of color? Do you know a, a woman that does that? Um, any aspect of your business that doesn't mean because there's not somebody with brown skin or that somebody who's a female on your team today because you're small in your startup that you're not contributing to diversity and equity and inclusion in any way because you're thinking outside of just your company. And we talk a lot about corporate social responsibility. Um, A small business of one can be a corporate social responsible person simply by who you do business with. It's it's a way to do it. So hopefully that answers your your question. Um, Doesn't mean you have to hire everybody. 
Um, but how are you expanding your diversity inside and outside of your, your, your world? <laughs> Great question. great question thank you so much yeah. logan and listeners uh, please continue to submit your questions comments and suggestions as we love to hear from you at info at diversity straight up.com great well it looks like we were as we're wrapping up our last episode of the season it's been fun i think we've had some great conversation would you agree uh, yeah some... season two was a uh, phenomenal yes yes we went uh video based yes and I think the conversations we had with leaders uh, was tremendous. Yeah. And we know that EDI&E is going to continue to be here it and is, is going to stay. And I think it that is. our guests that we have for season three is only going to continue to yes. add to this uh, conversation to collectively be Absolutely. able to make an impact. Absolutely. As we say on uh, Diversity Straight Up. Keeping it real. Thank you for your time. See you in season three, everyone. Take care. Thank you to our listeners, as we wouldn't be here without your support. Help us grow our subscriber base by sharing our show with others. Love this new episode of Diversity Straight Up brought to you by Green State Credit Union? Then head over to the most popular podcast audio platforms to describe, rate, and review us. And check out our other episodes while you're there. Catch us on our next episode, which drops monthly. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up and send your questions, comments, and suggestions to info at diversitystraightup.com. Remember, wherever you live, work, and play, our backyards are increasingly global. It's not enough to simply be a leader. Be a global leader by leveraging diversity with equity, inclusion, and engagement. And share your journey. This may empower others to be bold change agents. Be courageous. Be authentic. Be vulnerable. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union. Keeping it real. You've been listening to Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union. Additional support provided by Alliant Energy, Collins Aerospace, and the City of Cedar Rapids. For more from the Corridor Business Journal, please visit CorridorBusiness.com. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios.